Welcome to Torat Emechanach Yomi with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Pamela Rafka Simonson, and today we will be studying Divrei Hayamim Bey's Perak Yitches, Chapter 18. Yehoshaphat, whose heart was uplifted in the ways of Hashem, who implemented a strategy for spreading the teachings of Torah amongst his people, who sought Hashem, is connected by Chazal to the words in Tehillim, the Esyire Hashem Yechabed. He honors the God fearing. Because when Yehoshaphat, king of Yehuda, would see a Torah scholar, he would stand up from his throne, hug and kiss him, and call him my master, my master, my teacher, my teacher. The book Mishpatsos Zahav on Malachim references this about Yehoshaphat. And it says there that perhaps this behaviour displayed by Yehoshaphat served as a rectification for the sin of Asa, his father, that he drafted Torah scholars to join in the effort of carrying away stones and wood of the Ramah that Basha had built. Hashem is with Yehoshaphat. Yehoshaphat is focused on Torah. His kingdom has peace. The opening verse of today's parak, parak 18, reiterates Yehoshaphat's great wealth and honour, which Malbim says is to make known that this remained the case even after all the building work and gathering of soldiers that he had done. And then Posokwan tells us that he allied himself in marriage to Achav's family. The commentary Chomas Anach brings two possibilities for which marriage into the family of Achav, king of the northern kingdom, is being referred to here. Either it's Yehoshaphat having taken Achav's daughter for marriage to his son Yehoram, or it's a reference to Yehoshaphat himself being married to Achav's sister. Achav has nurtured his northern kingdom to be steeped in idolatry. Yehoshaphat, king of the southern kingdom, goes in the ways of Hashem. According to Malbim, it's in the 17th year of Yehoshaphat's reign that he comes to Achav in Shemarain, the capital of the northern kingdom. And Achav slaughters an abundance of sheep and cattle for Yehoshaphat and his people. End of Pasuk 2. And he tempted him to go up to Ramos Gilad, meaning, says Mitzurus David, to make war there. In Posuk 3, Achav, king of Yisrael, asks Yehoshaphat, king of Yehuda, Will you go with me to Ramos Gilad? And Yehoshaphat responds, Like me, like you. And like your people are my people. And with you in war. Malbim, on the similar account in the Book of Kings, intersperses Yehoshaphat's response with explanation, such that it reads something like this, like me, meaning regarding me, I am chamoicha, like you, because we are in-laws, family. And regarding the people, ami, my people, chamoicha, are like your people, b'nei Yisrael. And regarding war, and then the language of the verse in Malachim is different, but it applies to the words used here too, v'imacha b'milchama, and with you in war. When you win, you will also help me in a time of need. 
Malbim on Divrei Hayamim here shows that Yehoshaphat is agreeing to accompany Achav in battle to acquire Ramos Gilad from Aram. Yehoshaphat, in his righteousness, likely has wonderful intent in developing his peaceful relationship with the leadership of the Northern Kingdom. But unfortunately, we learn that it was a mistake for him to ally himself with Achav, who was wicked. In Sefer Malachim, Parak 22, where it describes Yehoshaphat's exceptional level, doing what is upright in Hashem's eyes, it then mentions two things he did that Malbim clarifies were not within the realm of being upright. One of these was that he made peace with a king of Yisrael who was wicked. We see in our next parak of study, Parak 19 of Divrei HaYomim Beis, that Yehu addresses this mistake with Yehoshaphat. With this in mind, looking at the beginning of Posuk 2 in our parak of study today, Parak 18 in Divrei HaYomim Beis, we have some context when we read the verb used to describe Yehoshaphat's going to meet Achav, Vayered, he went down. Kliyakar quoted in Mishpatsois Zahav on Kings teaches that it says Yehoshaphat went down because this was a descent through his connecting with Achav's kingdom. And it was by miracles that Yehoshaphat was saved and didn't also get killed in the battle that they are going to enter into against Ramos Gilad. Continuing in Parak 18 of Divrei Hayamim Beis from Posuk 4, Yehoshaphat places a condition on the agreement to go to war together, saying, Please inquire today the word of Hashem. He wants to seek guidance from Hashem via a prophet about whether to go to war. So, Pasuk 5, Achav gathers 400 men, whom Rashi posits are true prophets. And he says to them, should we go to Ramos Gilad for war, or should I refrain? And the prophets respond, go up. Hashem will give into the hand of the king. They're giving the go-ahead. But Yehoshaphat notices something isn't right, and he asks, as written in Pasuk 6, is there not another prophet of Hashem here of whom we can inquire? Rashi explains that Yehoshaphat knew there was a problem with the prophecies that had been spoken by the 400 prophets because two prophets do not give over prophecy in exactly the same style and language. And here, all the prophets were prophesying in the same way as each other. So he asks for another prophet. Continuing from Pasuk 7, Achav tells Yehoshaphat that there is one more man they can inquire from about the word of Hashem. But, he says... I hate him. Because he never prophesies good about me, only bad, all his days. He is Michaihu, son of Yimla. And Yehoshaphat replies, The king should not say that. Achav summons an officer and instructs him to bring Michaihu quickly. Posuk 9 hones in on the relationship between Yehoshaphat and Achav. It says that they were sitting, each one on his throne, wearing their attire, which Rashi clarifies means their royal clothing, the Yoshvim Begoiren, and sitting in a threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Shomrain. The Gemara in Chulin 5a comments that the Goiren threshing floor mentioned here doesn't refer to a literal threshing floor. 
which is deduced from its positioning at the gate to Shomron. Rather, the implication is that Yehoshaphat and Achav were sitting like a threshing floor. They were sitting how the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court, would sit, like half of a circular threshing floor, meaning sitting in the shape of a semicircle. In the Sanhedrin, this was so that the judges would see each other. Rashi on Chulin 5a explains that sitting in this shape denoted fondness, friendship. Continuing in the storyline from the end of Pasuk 9 to Pasuk 14, all the prophets are prophesying before Yehoshaphat and Ahav. Tzidkiyahu, the son of Kana'anah, makes horns of iron and says, So said Hashem, with these you will gore Aram until you finish them. All the prophets are prophesying similarly, saying, Go up to Ramos Gilad and win, Hashem will deliver into the hand of the king. The messenger who went to call Michaihu says to him that he should speak favorably for the king, like all the other prophets are doing. Michaihu responds, Chai Hashem, Ki es asher yomar elaikai, I say adaber. As Hashem lives, what my God says, that's what I will speak. Michaihu then comes to Achav, who asks him if they should go to Ramos Gilad for war or refrain. To which Michaihu responds, Alu v'hatzlichu, go up and be successful. V'yenosnu biyedchem, and they will be given into your hand. Matsuris David says that Michaihu is saying this from his own self. He's giving him a bracha, a blessing. Alternatively, he's saying it with jest. In the style of the prophets of Baal, Mutsuras David posits that the 400 prophets were not real prophets, but were false prophets of the idol Baal. The king realizes, because Michaihu didn't open with the words, so said Hashem. And he's not satisfied with either of these approaches, whether it be a bracha, a blessing, or in jest. And he tells him, he intimates to him, that he wants truth in the name of Hashem. Ibn Yahya on Pasuk 16 explains that Michaihu tells Achav that he received prophecy that only Achav will die in war and everyone else will return in peace. As he says, I saw Yisrael scattered over the mountains like sheep who have no shepherd. And Hashem said, these ones have no one being master over them. Let them each return to his home in peace. Achav then says to Yehoshaphat in Pasuk 17, didn't I say to you that he wouldn't prophesy good about me, only bad? In Pasukim 18 to 22, Michaihu then tells Achav to listen to the word of Hashem. And he describes a prophetic vision that he received, in which he saw Hashem sitting on his throne with angels of destruction, as Rashi interprets, standing before him on his right and his left. And Hashem said, who will entice Achav, the king of Yisrael, so he will go up and fall in Ramos Gilad? And one of the angels, as Rashi clarifies, volunteered. Hashem asked the angel how he will entice Achav, and the angel responded, I will go out and I will be a spirit of falsehood in the mouth of all his prophets. Hashem told the angel it will work and to go ahead. After relaying the vision, Michaihu points out how this has come to realization, saying to Achav, Atah, 
הנה נושן השם רוח שקר בפי נביאיך אלה, והשם דיבר עליך רואו. Now, behold, Hashem placed a spirit of falsehood in the mouth of these prophets of yours, and Hashem has spoken evil concerning you. Pesukim 23-24 feature an interchange between Michoihu and Tzidkiyohu, who Mitzudah's David claims was a false prophet of Baal. Tzidkiyohu strikes Michoihu on the cheek and says, Which way did the spirit of Hashem pass from me to speak to you? And Michoihu responds, I'm continuing with explanation from Mitzudah's David added, Behold, you will see on that day, meaning on the day of the war, you will see that this is true, that Achav will die. That you will come to a room within a room to hide, meaning that because of this outcome, you will hide yourself in order not to be killed for having given the so-called prediction as you have. In Pesukim 25-26, Achav orders for Michaihu to be taken to Amin, the officer of the city, and to Yoyosh, the king's son, with instruction to put Michaihu in prison and provide him with minimal bread and water until Achav returns in peace. Pesuk 27, Michaihu said, if you return in peace, then Hashem didn't speak to me. So does David says he spoke loudly enough for everyone to hear. Looking at Pesukim 28-31 with explanation from Atsuras David, Yehoshaphat and Achav go up to Ramais Gilad. And by Achav's planning, he disguises himself. But Yehoshaphat does not. With Achav, whilst not believing the prophet, still having concern about his words, justifying that Yehoshaphat has no need to disguise himself because the prophet only prophesied evil concerning Achav, so only Achav needs to be concerned about not being recognized by the people of Aram. The king of Aram commands the officers of his chariots to not fight with anyone except for the king of Yisrael. They see Yehoshaphat and they say he is the king of Yisrael because they see him in royal clothing. They turn on him to attack him, Inside Posuk 31, And Yehoshaphat cried out, and Hashem helped him. And Hashem persuaded them away from him. The commentary Menchas Erev explains here that Yehoshaphat cried out to Hashem in tefillah, prayer. Even if a sharp sword is resting on a person's neck, the person need not despair of mercy. Yehoshaphat was saved through his calling out to Hashem. It had been decreed that Yehoshaphat would die in this war because of his joining with wicked Achav to help. But through his tefillah, his prayer, Yehoshaphat was saved by Hashem. In Pesukim 32-34, when the officers of the chariots see that he's not the king of Yisrael, they turn back from going after him. A man draws his bow and hits the king of Yisrael. Rashi says the shooter was someone from the army of Yisrael who was intending to fire at the Aramean camp and without intention, he inadvertently hit Achav. Matsudas David points out that Achav was unrecognisable and also explains that the armour Achav was wearing had perforations in it, 
and he wore a scale-like cover over it to protect from a sword entering one of the apertures in the armour. The arrow hit Achov between one of the scales and the armour and entered his body through one of the apertures. Achov tells the chariot rider to take him out of the camp, explaining that he is sick. And he stands himself up in his chariot, facing Aram. Radak explains he stands himself up in his chariot so that Aram wouldn't realise he had been hit and also so that his people, Yisrael, would not be broken-hearted. Matsuris David explains that the fighting escalates and Achav, who is standing in the chariot until evening, then dies when the sun sets. Thank you for studying together, Lelui Nishmas Rose Foreman, Rizal Rochelbas Arie Leib, and Rachel Zeitlin Rochelbas Schleimer.